from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're listening to the Good Friend Podcast, presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship. We talk about everything. We cry. We laugh. We think about what it really means to be a good friend. And I have conversations with some of my best friends, some people I've never met and sort of everything in between. So I hope by the end of it that you have a really good sense of what friendship means to me and the people that I consider friends. And I hope you can take those same ideas into your own friendship groups. And I hope you enjoy it. Isn't it? Isn't that what it is to be a good friend? Is you just trust that friend and you That's say, That's what yeah. I did. I'm just trusting. Okay. Um, well, it is a podcast. It is called the Good Friend Podcast. Uh, and I, Jamie Lee Curtis, am your hostess um, of an hour's conversation between me and people that I'm interested in knowing more about what it means to be a good friend. That's it. It's a pretty simple concept, but we go wherever the world takes us in that moment. It's free form, free flowing, fun, and occasionally there will be sobbing. Um, I, I, as you know, can sob on a dime. 
um, and have done so a couple times here. Um, so welcome, Craig Hartsman. So my friend is Craig Hartsman. Say hello, Craig. You can speak to hey. my listener. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? It's it's great to be here, to be honest. Um, it's a kind of a cold and chilly day where I am right here. So it's kind of nice to be wrapped up inside chatting. See, well, it is a warm, I hope our our how you're received here, it feels warm and yummy. I refer to my listener because, of course, I have no idea I'm going to record these and have these conversations before they ever air. So, uh, you know, I'm talking into the ether right now. Um, and so I refer to, I need to know that there's at least one listener. <laughs> and um, it just makes me uh, center in and understand that I'm not just here by myself with you. So we do have a listener. I don't know who they are. There might be more than one, but I don't take that for granted. <laughs> um, so I am friends with Craig Hartsman and my life is better for it. And mine is too. And we've been friends for a long time. So we I was have. thinking about that last night, how we kind of first came together. It's yes. kind of interesting. So we are both friends with another woman who we both love, and um, I know her and her family. But what I, the reason that I thought it would be fun to talk to Craig, one, he's a dude. <laughs> well, I do you not have that many dudes that you're chatting with. <laughs> I don't actually. I don't because I don't actually foster too many male <laughs> friends. It's not. Uh, out of a disrespect or disregard for men, uh, I just doesn't happen very often. And it happened really strongly with you. Now, I have a couple ideas why. And by the way, we both love our friend who introduced us. And we both, when we see her have beautiful relationships with her when we see each other. So it's, there isn't this thing like I stole Craig <laughs> from <laughs> other people, but you can't, I think the reason that I wanted to explore this conversation today is because we connected through another person that we both know and love. And yet our connection became something really powerful. Um, out of a surprise, I think for both of us a little bit. I think that's that's really true. You know, a lot of times people try to put people together. Oh, you're going to really like this person. And it's always kind of this strange forced thing. And it either works or it doesn't. And what was natural and organic, how you and I met, is we were just introduced. It wasn't any expectations. We just kind of came together. Now, we had some very strong common experiences in life and goals in life, and it was immediate. And I think you go back and you look at friendships that you have in the world, and I think the ones that really endure and, and are always there are kind of come out of that. They're very um, naturally happen to each other. And you're just drawn. I mean, you and I were just drawn immediately to yes, each other we, as friends. And we just fostered that, you know, I think we were on a hike or we went somewhere. We both right. had children. Craig has two children, both Craig's children and my children are both adopted children. Um, Craig and his husband, Jim have their 
daughter and son and um, Christopher and I have our children. And I think that was a link because here we were two different um, we had just been introduced through our mutual friend and and we both were living a, a similar re- relationship there with our children and how our family was built. Um, and I, I remember it. I remember I have pictures of that day. You know, we right. went. It was a group activity. Right. And and it 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 was fun and it remains fun. But something happened, Craig. Right. Right. And I think and again, that there is, you know, it's tricky here because we both love the other person. Right. But at the same time, there is a feeling like, are we allowed to feel what we're feeling? Does it feel weird if we get close and we got close and we got close, honestly, through circumstances? Things happened and we shared with each other hard things heavy things, which we're obviously not going to discuss here, but personal things that involved our children, that involved our personal health, that involved our relationships. And, you know, you can't schedule that. That was a, that was what happened. Right. And I think that's exactly what I'm talking about, that those friendships become um, and I have a few of them in life. I don't have a lot of them, but I have a few of them that are just those friendships that you always go back to. You always turn to when things are incredible, when things are wonderful, and when things are tough. And you and I have shared those tough times. But but from the beginning, it became, and I, and I have to say, I mean, you know, as, as a gay man who um, kids are now 23 and 25, you know, there weren't gay couples adopting and having families and having children. And and so we didn't have anybody who had any kind of experience. What we were, we thought we were all alone and I'm not saying that you can understand it, but the fact that you and Chris were these adoptive parents, it was this immediate connection that we could connect on, on that level. I mean, you came from Hollywood. I, I don't come from that. I come from a different thing, but we had these homes near each other up in where we have our homes uh, up in the mountains and we could share that, but it, but we came from different, but yet similar places. And it just became this instant, okay, we're friends. But now what you say about our friend is interesting because there was a little guilt of that. And right, and no, and there, that's, it and, that's fi- and that's fine. Right. That's right. fine. And what's important here is that you know, as we all know, life is in session, the clock is ticking, we are all here to manifest our destinies in the universe. We are designed, we are not to live alone, we're not supposed to be alone people. We're supposed to connect up with other people. It is the nature of human life. It's the nature of relationships. And when you make a friend like we had, and by the way, so you know, Craig and I are like, Craig is the brother I never had. I'm the sister he never had in this way. Like we are, our personalities (laughs) dovetail so deeply and crazy much like each other. We are very similar people. 
And our husbands are very, very similar, similar people. people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. Um, not to archetype people, but yes, Christopher um, and yeah. Jim uh, are similar types of people. Personality wise, they're both very quiet, right. they're very sort of studied, quiet people. And you and measured. I, they're very me- measured. Well, measured. Well, but by the way, that is what, again, drew both of us to our partners. I mean, that's how the world works. But it's also what drew each other to each other, you and me. Right. Well, you know, it's funny you say that um, you wrote a book and I remember mm-hmm. you, you, you wrote many books, but you wrote a book about adoption and about um, what was it? Tell me about the night I was Tell born. Tell me or, again about yeah. the night I was born. And then at the end, you included in, in one of the versions, you included a, a song in it, and then you could get it on a tape or whatever. And mm-hmm. it says, uh, the wind blew you to me. The wind brought you to me. It was written by Nick Turn. There you go. This is best friend who was on this very podcast oh. or who or who will be because we don't know what order they're going to be in. But David okay. Nick Turn, who is a songwriter who also wrote Midnight at the Oasis. Oh, wow. Really? Um, yes. Oh. He wrote a song when we were going to include a song with uh, an edition of of the book. Tell me again about the night I was born. And he wrote a song called The Wind Brought You to Me. I used to play that for the kids when you sent that book to me and they were little and I used to send it. And that was one of those things. Everybody sends you things about, you know, adoption and books and all that. And you sent that to me and I play, used to play that song. To both the kids. I don't even know if they listened, but before they went to bed, we'd read that. But it went beyond that about the kids coming to you. I really firmly believe this, that that's yours and my friendship also. Yeah. It, we, you know, it was just. The wind was meant to be. Me. Yeah. 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 It was an unexpected friendship. Right. I, I, um, I, I as you said, our worlds didn't cross pollinate other than kind of time and place where we lived, the families we built, uh, the friends we had in common. Um, But of course that has now grown and developed and grown and developed. So now there's a whole new group of friends that you are now close with who are friends through me that originally. So I now was able to foster a little connection with other people and if you told me, and we won't name them, but if you told me that you were going to go off and do, and you have gone off and done things with these other people. Right. And I hear about it. I don't, I'm not jealous. I'm not snarky about it. I'm like, not like, oh, well, hmm. <laughs> I, it, right. to me, it makes me happy because I am not possessive about really much of anything anymore. The older I get, the the more I understand the universe, I am really working on impermanence, Mm non-attachment, that someone who used to feel because I felt as a child sort of unattached, I, I like I felt like I needed to attach to something. And now I'm I'm the wind will take it. The wind will take me and ultimately ashes to ashes, the wind will take me and, you know, we'll be done. 
Well, and you once, I don't know when it was, a while back, you, you were talking about friendships, and here we are talking today about friendships, but you just you and I were just chatting about friendships, and and we were kind of describing a lot of friends we have and, and how they fit into your life, and the ones that really do endure to me, and you and I have talked closely about this, are the ones that friendships, the friendship is easy. It's never taken granted for, but it's just easy. You know the person is there. You and I have spent many a time where I need you right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something was happening and you were there. And um, yet we don't foster it every day. You know, we don't talk. Oh, no. You're off doing it. And I think those are when those are when they become really special. And I need you to do this. Okay, I'm there. But then we don't talk for quite a while. But it's an instant you're right back in each other's lives and part of each other's lives. And I think that's a, that is become, and especially during COVID, I mean, COVID has been such an interesting thing for a lot of this um, and how we look at life and friendships and all that, you know, well, this was born from COVID. This was born from that idea of, you know, I mean, it was conceived simply from a song And then the reality is that we have, as friends, many people haven't seen each other in a very long time. And if we do see each other, it's in a very limited way with all the guards and masks and shields and ways to stay apart from each other. And yet the friendships are what help us get through this as much, if not more than anything else. And that's where the term good friend came from. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break, so stick around. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You brought up that you're gay. Right. Um, You were also gay when you were in college. Right. And you were the president Mm -hmm. of your frat. Yep. As an openly gay man? No. So as a closeted gay man. Yes. Sure. So I, I, you know, in in recovery, which I talk about a lot because I can't right. help it. <laughs> no, I just can't because, you know, I talk recovery right. all day long with a lot of people. Yeah, there's a phrase. Sure. Yeah. The, we, there's a phrase we use call that says you're only as sick as your secrets. You know, that secrets keep you in the silent sickness of of that if you have a secret um that must have been really interesting for you to foster friendship so i really wanted to talk about your early life i know you have brothers yeah older brother younger brother you you and i are this you and i are the same age we're the same person craig goodness i don't <laughs> know why haircut. we have the same haircut i swear people are just gonna see your picture and go like oh my god they're the same people so <laughs> But I'm interested in your early life. Let's just go into your early life for a few minutes because okay. I'm I'm also interested in how people form friendships and how many they carry with them later and stuff. And you're being gay and figuring out that you were gay. Right. Um, I'm assuming you didn't know you were gay when you were a young boy. Did you? Maybe you did. Well, I don't that's know. That's a very difficult question. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's the answer to that? Who knows? Yes, you know you're different and you're something, but you know, you, you spend your life as ever, so many gay people in their early sixties will tell you of, of life. You, you can't be out. You couldn't be out. And I grew up, you, you mentioned my brothers who are talking about friends. I, I just got a note from my younger brother. Who's um, just recently, who's 58 and I'm 61 and told me I was his best friend. And mm-hmm. we had this whole long thing. And it was just really great that I helped him out on some things. And, you know, but but you grow up with these the three of you in this very male dominated family. It's sport, and I was a sports guy, and I was competitive. I was competitive with my brothers, with my friends. I couldn't be gay. I mean, there's no possible way. And mm-hmm. there was a book written many years ago by a guy named Andy Tobias, but he wrote it under a a different name called "The Best Little Boy in the World," and you know, that was me. I mean, I was the best little boy in the world. I I did everything right. I was a sports guy. I was the political guy. I was the big guy at high school involved in everything. And I can't be gay, but yeah, you do know in the back of your head, you try to have those girlfriends and all that. And what's interesting, you talk about friendship. My college girlfriend is a very good friend of mine today. And after all that, and she and I dated and she, she's told me I would have been the one she wanted to marry, but that was not to be. 
Mm-hmm. So we, over years, and we came, became friends, really good friends, and talked about our kids together and all that. But yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. And you go off to college, and you're tr- in the you know end of the seventies, and you're trying to live that life, and you don't have friends to talk to, and that is a lonely place. I mean, let's take. Well, that's why I brought. Friendships. Yeah, I knew what you were getting to. What yeah. I was, well, no, what I was, I'm curious about it. It's yeah. not, I'm not trying There's to There's nobody lead. to talk to. There's right. no I'm not trying friends. to lead the witness here. I'm simply, yeah, I know, I know. I'm I know you. trying right. to bear witness right. as your friend to what I'm assuming was a lonely time. It, very lonely. And you have all these friends, but they don't really know you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what they think they know now that now, interestingly, we go back to this, who were your really good friends throughout life? And there were three guys in my fraternity house of a large fraternity house at, I'll say it at UCLA and um, living that perfect goal life. And I, I, my parents found out I was gay between my junior and senior year and sent me to a psychiatrist and all this. My, my Jewish liberal parents, you know, were supposed to be so liberal and understanding. It wasn't easy, right? And they sent me and I'm now trying to run my fraternity house because you were the president. Of I was the, the president frat. of the house, very straight house back then. I mean, there nobody was out, and trying to come back from my from my junior year to my senior year that and starting my senior year, and I'm trying to, and yet my dad is sending me to a psychiatrist to deal with this, you know, and I and I can't tell anybody, mm-hmm. and it goes to French, and I finally realized my roommate, I had to tell somebody I was busting, you know, and I had to say, and I knew he could handle it. And I told him and he was great. And to this day, we're still very good friends. I've gone through his divorce with his wife and, you know, and, and we really close and he was just fantastic. And that was that release that I needed to say. And then it ended up being fine with my parents later in life. And really, because I met my husband or my boyfriend who became my husband and loved him. I think that they liked him better than me, I think. But uh, anyway, it was that moment of that I could lean on a friend and knew that it was going to be, you know, okay. And then my second fraternity brother, he and I became the only other Jewish guy in the house. And he and I became good friends and, um, and he found out about it. And they were the first two that really found out. And, um, and now he's going through a cancer struggle and he and his wife. And I'm, in fact, I'm having them come down here in a couple of weeks just to be in the sun from Seattle and just, yeah. to be there. but you, 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 those are those moments that you just go back in life and go, they were there for me and it was great, but you're right. It was lonely, but that's when your friends, your true friends, really, you need them at those moments to be able to, um, share things that, you know, I couldn't even share with my brothers at the time. I mean, at all. I was wondering about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because then my older brother got mad at me later because I was dealing with my mom and dad with this and I wasn't including them in it. And he was mad that I didn't include him as a friend, not as so much as a brother, but you know, he goes, well, you didn't give me a chance. And he was right. You know, I didn't give him a chance to help me and to deal with it. Well, because by the way, to give him a chance there was a chance that he would react Absolutely. negatively to it or or have a response to it that would have perpetuated the shame i'm so glad he didn't but at well, the time well right as you said there weren't that many out guys in a frat 
<laughs> so, oh, and, and you went through life and Jamie, you went through life completely panicked of telling, you know, this is just pre AIDS right. and um, that you would tell anybody how they would react. Sure. And then HIV comes along and then you're panicked at anybody, you know, you, it, it was a lonely, lonely time yeah. and, and a tough time yeah. uh, to deal with, but you go back on these friendships and then, you know, when Jim and I got married, and finally, when it was legal to get married and our, really our kids pushed us to do that. And uh, in 2013, and you happen to be there. Uh, why do you, you think kinda... I was, by the way, why do you think I was there? <laughs> I was there because I was invited to be there. <laughs> I was there because I wanted to bear witness to that moment of joy and commitment and community with you and your family. It was very important to me. And I will, I don't, I was going to say, I'll share in the chat because that's what we all say now with all of these yeah. Zoom meetings. It was like, well, I'll share in the chat. So I took a photograph. Yep. I'm a photographer. I've mentioned this now on this podcast. Either it's the first time you're hearing it or the hundredth time you've heard me say that I'm a good photographer. But I took a fantastic photograph um of craig and um jim it's spectacular before we got, yeah be up in the room before we went down so and as a photographer like i mentioned or you will hear that i mentioned with my friend deborah oppenheimer before the oscar ceremony when she allowed me to come over with my leica and just be very quiet not say anything just let her kind of do her thing getting ready for the Oscar ceremony where she was nominated for the Into the Arms of Strangers stories of the Kinder Transport movie. And, you know, the same thing. I just hung around. And when you guys got married, I remember saying, can I just come up and sort of be a fly on the wall? And you guys were getting dressed. And right. um, but then there was a moment and I was like, <laughs> Oh, don't move. <laughs> just stay right where you are doing exactly what you're doing. Please just stay where you are doing exactly what you're doing. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, let it continue for about another 15 seconds so that I could set my aperture. And I'm, I, I would also, because I can pull up on my phone pretty <laughs> effing quick, I would right now go look for it. But we are live on a podcast. And so I will, or taped on a podcast. So I will not spend the time searching for it. But what's funny about that moment is then that right after the um, photographer for the wedding came in and we like, and Jim and I both got, no, you just go out. And as you know, my husband, he is not demonstrative at all. And, you know, he's not a romantic kind of guy, but the, yes, he is. But that picture, it became the picture of our wedding that not only because it, it, take the the photographs out of out of that the this other guy you know took that we hired, it came because it had depth and soul and and meaning and it, it was shot by my friend. There it is. Oh my God, she can pull up anything on her phone. Let me tell you, it is a scary dang thing. <laughs> yep, that's it. And that became the photo of our wedding. And well, uh, it is the photo is. of your wedding, and it yeah. is it's, it's uh, by the way. It's my friends, Craig and Jim, in silhouette, yeah. facing each other just before a kiss. <laughs> and you see, and it in a weird way makes a heart shape. Uh, right. The shadow of the light behind them creates a sort of, it's, it's spectacular. By the way, should I ever get to make another book, it, it, it will absolutely 
be a photograph that would be included, but it was a privilege to be at your wedding. And, and we're about to have our 35th anniversary coming up. Holy shite. Really? I know. Been together 35 years. But anyway, let's go back on the on the COVID thing. I mean, it's been an interesting, interesting time of friendships. And, and you know, do you lose friendships through it? Do you keep friendships? You know what interesting Jim and I got COVID in yes. uh, um, one year ago this weekend. Um, yes, I was going to say in the early yeah. days, in yeah. the early days, you you had gone up to yeah. our mountain uh, exactly. home and there was right. a big outbreak up there. Right, a big um, outbreak. I, I really believe that Chris, um, mm-hmm. you know, d- just missed it because he was right. also. He just missed it because he came right after that. Yes, and our mutual. Or before our, that. When was he there? Anyway. He was there. Regardless, it was yeah. a very near miss for him since right. many people contracted coronavirus up in that mountain town correct right at that time and you both did and then came back to uh your south southern california home and and then you know wrote it out here and jim got you know pretty sick but was interesting during all that time is then our doctor happens to live right behind us and he and his he came over to check on jim and you know we didn't know what was happening really at first well then he ended up getting it and then his husband got it so we ended up starting this thing because we all had it. Not many other people had, and we couldn't be out meeting with people. So every Sunday we would get together and have dinner outside um, here and ride out kind of being sick. And they had, they were sick, not they, not very badly, but we then continued this, this thing of a very small group of friendship over Sunday night dinners. And now we kind of still want it to go on and we're going to keep it going. We call it Sunday supper and uh, we either have it at our house outside or at their house outside, which is a very small, it was became our little love bubble, if you will. Um, and I'm not sure that our friendships with them would have fostered into what it is, but because of COVID, it, it really did. It, it, you know, I talk about COVID in a weird way um, in Jewish religion. I'm reformed Jewish. We don't hold to it that much, but on we have Shabbat. And I used to tell the kids, um, on Friday night, can you please just be home? Can we just have dinner? And it was that moment to what Shabbat is about, the Sabbath is about, just taking that time out and putting everything aside and relaxing. And I kind of and relaxing with your family, exactly with the people in your home exactly. and your community. And it's why I don't look at COVID as this horrible, awful time. Because I think it's been a reset and a timeout for so many of us that were going through life so frenetically and running around. And it stopped. We It made us all kind of stop. And exactly what we're talking about today, I think, maybe this sounds contrite or whatever, but it made us kind of evaluate our friendships with people and connect with people that if we were still running around, maybe we wouldn't have done so much. It really made us slow down and stop and and make contact with people and check in with people. So that silver lining of COVID, I think has been just kind of wonderful, you know, and and, I agree with you. you Yes. And the, and, you know, the thing that we have to, you know, because my listener may be a single person, um, you know, COVID was brutal on single people. Oh, God. Single yeah. people who the loneliness of that. Yes. The loneliness of, you know, when Chris and I married, a woman named Lee Hancock, who's no longer uh, alive, she wrote her own vows um, 
my sister-in-law had used her, had had her marry them. And so, you know, I didn't know anybody who got married and, you know, so we were like, oh, okay, we'll use her too. And we met with her in New York and she was lovely and we flew her out here and blah, blah, blah. And in the marriage ceremony, um, which by the way, I have married other people and I have used this part of her ceremony when I have married other people. Um, and it says, today you have chosen, you have come together today to combat the loneliness of human existence. Mm. Wow. That you're, you're saying Fuck you to loneliness, that you are saying we are making a commitment to come together to fight the loneliness of human existence. And, you know, I know many single people who suffered horribly during COVID. Right. Um, I agree with you about the silver lining and the closeness of relationships. Some, some, uh, some relationships have distanced and that yeah. has been challenging because can you make up the distance right. in a way, you know, like when you think about a ra uh, race, even though friendship obviously is not a competition, we hope, we hope, we hope, we hope, but you know, if, if you just think of it as a race and, you know, people have moved ahead of each other, it's very hard to catch up sometimes. Uh, COVID will, I think, obviously a lot of marriages have broken up during COVID. A lot of relationships have broken up during COVID. A few relationships have been cemented because of COVID. Certainly certain friendships have been strengthened um, with COVID, um, both the vulnerability and fragility of our friends and right. the horrific realities of what COVID did to people and the way I think the way people showed up for other people during the COVID pandemic is the part of this that felt to me so life affirming Correct. was watching neighbors help neighbors um, in my own small circle you know Jenny who works with me and right. who runs my hand in yours, my little company. Um, Jenny adopted nurse families uh, in her neighborhood. And we all supported her effort to simply provide food right. and, you know, for these nurse families so that these nurses who were every day on the front line of this battle with this. Uh, pandemic, that they would come home and have dinner. And I've, I will never meet these people. These right. are these are a group of women who live in her neighborhood who are nurses. And she just was like, this is how I'm going to, this is my paying it forward. This is my suiting up and showing up for other people. And I think COVID certainly did that in many, many ways, in many areas. Where right. And that checking in of other people just on their well-being. Yep. And yep. Absolutely. That's been, yep. it, it's been, you know, interesting. I just recently, we were traveling, well, not traveling, but we have another home somewhere. And I was um, over there and I sat down. I hadn't done it for so long. Um, actually, our daughter, who just got engaged on Christmas Eve. Mazel tov. Thank you. A blessing <laughs> on your head. Mazel tov to a mazel tov to see your daughter wed. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. Oh, that poor wedding planner has to deal with two dads anyway and 
the really nice young man who she got engaged to in the middle of while he was with us on the trip uh, or at our place, um, his grandfather passed away from COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to watch him because they couldn't be there with him. You know, so many people dealt with that. And I don't know, um, I've met this young man's mother. So the daughter of the person who, who passed away just once. But I, instead of, I sat down and wrote a letter, a really long handwritten letter to her. And then I went, wow, let me do more of that. And I, so I sat down and wrote a couple of other people. My friend who's a fraternity brother who has cancer now, I sat and wrote him a long letter handwriting. And I have terrible handwriting, but I said, well, screw this. I'm just doing this. And it became this moment of friendships that I would never have sat down I think before COVID, if this hadn't made me stop and go, you have the time, sit down and do this. It's going to mean a lot more to them if they get this handwritten note uh, to them. Oh, absolutely. And it was just kind of, well, it, I kind of go so, and I'm going to not, but I got inspired by your, you know, your whole thing that you're doing for the hospital, for the mm-hmm. children's hospital. Yeah. I know you've talked about that quite a bit. But it was about the hands and the caring in that, my hand and yours. And that's what it became. And I I was really, you know, friends don't always get to tell you this. I think what you've done, and I'm not blowing smoke, because you and I don't need to do that. We don't blow smoke. No, we're not those people. But it's very inspiring, you know, what what you have done in that. In a a time, you know, my mom is dealing with pancreatic cancer. and, And I gave her one of the, you know, your hand sculptures. Mm-hmm. sculptures that she has right next to her bed. And those are those things. And during this time, it's been really pretty amazing. Yeah. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. If there's something I need, we'll be right back with more good friend after this quick break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Well, I haven't actually even mentioned it on this podcast yet. So I'll take this opportunity right at this moment. There you go. So for the uninitiated listener, uh, thanks to the lovely assist from Craig Hartsman, my friend, our guest today on the Good Friend podcast. Um, I know my voice gets very late night, DJ. Oh, kind of, I lean in and I get a little quiet. It's like we're all here together in the dark. I, whenever someone is in trouble anywhere, anytime, be it a health issue or personal issue, or we're separated by time and space um, and uh, I've sent something, I always write on a card, always, and have for a very long time, my hand in yours. You know, I heard about what happened. I love you. My hand in yours, Jamie, which is my way of saying I'm not with you, but imagine what it would feel like if I was sitting right next to you with my hand in yours, that it would, you would feel what that feels like. And I had always done that. And um, I, before COVID, weirdly enough, as I am now of a certain age where TikTok, 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 we joked, you're a sports fan, Christopher uh, and David Nickturn, who wrote the song, The Wind Brought You to Me, were on the podcast. And uh, we were talking about age, TikTok, TikTok, no time to waste, TikTok, TikTok. And Chris, Chris said he was describing where he is uh, in his life, uh, in baseball metaphors. And he said, if, you know, second base is mid middle age, he said he was caught in a rundown between third and home and the catcher has the ball. Like <laughs> that's, that's really good. Yeah. Right. That's where he is. Just I thought like he, was that's, he was rounding third, but no, 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 okay. no. He is, he is saying he's caught in a rundown with, and then we, and then David Nickturn and we spoke of it and I said, well, that's the greatest name for a song yeah. caught in a rundown. I mean, yeah. my goodness. So maybe there'll be a song that will be born out of the Good Friend podcast um, uh, by David Nickturn. Anyway, I'm at that age right. where I've got to get done. <laughs> I am just tick tock, tick tock. Like I better get stuff doing it. And I had this idea. I know. I collect Anne Ricketts, a sculptor. I collect her work, those little bronze hands, feet, little sculptures. I'm going to call her. I know her. I'm going to commission her to create a, a, a sculpture of two hands holding. And my thought was that I would sell them on Instagram. Literally, I thought I'd sell them on Instagram because I invented Instagram, but we'll discuss that later. Anyway, 
I that I went to her. She said, yes, I ordered um, I ordered 100 sculptures from her. And of course, I'm paying for them. She was very generous and said, I won't charge you my fee. I'll just charge you the production. It's all going to charity. I said to her, I'm going to underwrite it and give all the money to charity. And what happened was our other friends that I've introduced you to Mm -hmm. um, through uh, uh, in the way that friend, good friends meet other good friends, they run a business, a restaurant business, and they have a great website. And right when COVID hit, I remember I called them and said, I I think I maybe need a website for this. How do I do that? Who is it? And they gave me a name of of a young guy in, in Canada. And I called this guy and I was talking to him and I said, thing and I'm thing and it's these sculptures and I'm going to underwrite it and give all the money to Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And he said, well, how many did you order? And I said, I ordered a (laughs) hundred. And he said to me, you will sell those in a day. And I said the F word to him. His name is Oliver. And I said, F you, Oliver, come on. And he said, Jamie, people want what you're about to offer them. People want a way to give to charity. People want to connect. People want to do something good. And what you're saying is you will receive a sculpture and the monies I pay for that sculpture will I pay, meaning you, the consumer, will be donated 100% to Children's Hospital, zero overhead. Anyway, it began something much bigger than I ever, ever anticipated. And we've now, you know, really um, expanded it. We have a lot of items. We have beanies. We have candles. We have wind chimes. We're going to have baseball hats. Um, We have beautiful necklaces and sculptures. We have little medallions, which are our lowest price point item, which is a $12 item. But 100% of that goes to Children's Hospital. And up to this point, um, we have donated $250,000 to Children's Hospital Los Angeles through My Hand in Yours, which was started August 4th of last year. That's unbelievable. But, you know, spectacular. But so thank you for letting me describe to my podcast listener um, what I've been up to this year. But it is it is the nature of a good friend, babe. It's it's born out of friendship. The fact that you even brought it up. Well, and I told you, and, and your coins weren't meant for this, but these incredible medallions I bought, I bought, I think, 10 or 20 of them. Now I give them out to friends who I play golf with as ball markers as ball markers because <laughs> they're just great and everybody loves them and they really are just great. But it's, it's, it's the nature of your giving heart. Also what you need to know about Craig and Jim is their commitment to the arts. And that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about today before I lose you, which is art is a crucial aspect of society, any society anywhere, from primitive cave societies on. Art is the expression of a society. It is um, the most sacred aspect of a society is the art that is produced. And let me let me introduce you. And as we go back and do history, let's go back to Pharaoh's times and we go into the pyramids. What do we see? 
we see the art that's left. We go to um, Ephesus and we go and we see the art and architecture and things like that that is left. And it defines societies that have come and, and gone. And that's why it is so important to keep arts alive. And but to keep it's, it's the greatest extension of friendship right. because your commitment to art brought me into your commitment to art. That's how it works. It's, it's a great example of good friendship because art pulls people together. It is a unifier. It is something that joins us all in so many ways. And I, have you always felt that way or is this something that's happened more in your adult well, you know it's funny i am so not artistic you know no, i didn't I'm, get that gene i am like the last guy who, who's you know you got a couple that. other really good gay genes so. <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know about that but um yeah i've always loved art and i love the visual i love the um stimulation of it i love what it does i do love that it can, what's important to me is that it can um, bridge between economic areas and, and color areas of, of humanity that they can all see it and enjoy it and be inspired by it. Mm-hmm. And it is a universal language. Stories from it. Mm-hmm. And learn. But it, to me, it's always been about exposure to art and what, what we can do to, to help with that. Uh, in fact, the, my kids' school, my kids aren't even into art. However, my son is now an art history major right. and going to the, you know, which is interesting that he did that, but he went a whole different way. He's very much into historical art and um, and and I'm a contemporary art collector, but we built a art education place at my art kids' school in, in Portland, Oregon. So yeah, I've always been involved. Now I'm very involved in, in an art museum. And, uh, but important for me is, exposing young people and communities of color that don't always have the chance um, opening up to their exposure to art and to help them. I mean, you just talk about friendships. You helped me out on a big thing. And now you just sent me something that I might be interested in. And I am, I I think it speaks right to what, and I think that's what friends do. They're like, Oh, this is, I I need to get this to them. They can do it. And there's no, you don't expect me to do that to get involved in it, but it's no, just no. But I, but you, you see, might be interested. And I, I think, think that's what's great about us that we can do that. Yeah, I think that's what good friendship is, right. and I think uh, my friend Dan McCleary yeah. started something called Art Division right. for underserved, um, predominantly black and brown young people in the city of Los Angeles to expose them to the fine arts. And, and that's exactly what I talk about. So it's, it meets exactly my heart. Yeah. Right. And that's, and so the other day when Dan McCleary and I connected up, the person who popped in my mind was Craig, not, not because I expect you to help them, right. but because I know that this is the mission that you care about. And that that's, I think, a responsibility of good friendship is that we connect dots back. But um, the other thing that is, and we have to be careful (laughs) because we don't know um, where my listener lives. 
And um, whether that my listen, listener is a man or a woman, right. or um, we don't know anything about our listeners. So we just put it out there, our thoughts, our ideas with a sort of global wide reaching umbrella of inclusivity, um, understanding people's points of view, et cetera. All of that is a really poorly worded lead up to politics, <laughs> the dreaded P word. But the thing that I, and I, I, we don't need, this is not red bashing or blue bashing. It's not a political podcast. We are not, I'm not even espousing political ideology here besides humanity and the right. continuation of humanity and friendship. But your ability as a intellectual leader, as someone who puts their money where their mouth is, um, you have also been a guide and a help because your passion and your enthusiasm for change and progressive ideas right. has led me and Christopher to things you have been. I do look at you as someone who I've, I believe I've maybe said the words a couple times run Craig run, because I do think you are the whole enchilada. I think you have the intelligence, the experience, the humanity, the resources, the humor. You're kind of handsome. Um, and all of that. As you mean a I have a face for radio. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You, have, <laughs> you just have a heart for politics is what I'm saying. And without getting into specific politics or policy, or I, 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 I can't imagine people un, don't know that I am somewhat more of a progressive person, but, but I'm also a very conservative person in many, many ways that I think people would be shocked. But again, this is not the podcast for that. But what I did want to say is that I do, as a good friend, I lean in when you talk about things because you talk about things from a place of research and intelligence and I'm impressed with you in that regard. You know, what's what's guided me, and we talked about my college days earlier, and I was a political science international relations uh, major out of UCLA, and I, I did go into politics at a, at a very young age, uh, working um, for a governor of California. And uh, I'm fine to say, interesting, my, my, and this is why it's okay to say that, because I started out on one political party and moved to another, but but what's guided me is not politics. What's guided me, and and this goes to you know I, I sound very Jewish, and I'm really not, but I was very involved, but in progressive Judaism, and we have a a, a thing in Judaism that goes back into the Torah, Tikkun Olam, which is repair the world, and that's why a lot of us are involved in, in social conscious issues. And um, and that's kind of always guided me. I know it guided my father very strongly, who was a doctor, and it was repairing people and 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 helping with people. But he was also guided and um, was not very religious. But he built the synagogue where I grew up uh, as as a layman. 
but he was so much more interested in um, kind of that tikkun olam, repairing the world and, and looking for um, at social issues and that. And it kind of always guided guided me uh, in in so much of what I do. And, and I just want that fair and, and fair to everybody. I mean, obviously, I'm a gay man and come out of looking for LGBT rights. I was involved with human rights campaign at a, at a pretty young age, which was the largest gay and lesbian. But it, but it really, you know, it, it's it, it's always been about equality, equality for everybody, raising a young woman uh, in my family to make sure she realized that she could one day be equal and, and have that. And I don't know why we all don't work together as friends, as politicians, as everybody, why we have to be so split uh, um, upon the aisle, we need to work together on, on on what I think is common humanity goals, and that's what's um, what's always guided me in that. And I do m- my research. I've been involved with some politicians on leadership, and 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 you talk about run, run, run. Well, I you know I've thought about that. I, I've chatted about that. I have friends who talk to me about it right now. I'm taking more of a, a leadership role with some young politicians that I think have a future. In, in where they're in helping to guide them of where they're going. Uh, but again, as long as they, um, uh, uh, we have to stop being so afraid to, you know, reach across and to build friendships. And that's why I asked you to be a guest on the Good Friend Podcast, because I knew that you would figure out a way to be able to articulate that which is important to talk about in a time of great division. And I think coming from a gay man who, as you so poignantly talked about, lived not a gay man's life early on in your life because that just wasn't <laughs> that wasn't going to fly. And that you have come to such a place of, of understanding and contemplation and advocacy and and support um, and you know, that is the quality of a good friend. I don't like any, if there's, if that isn't a quality of a good friend, Craig Hartsman, then I'm not sure what is. And we shouldn't ever have a podcast called good friend. Cause if we can't say that, if the way you just articulated the thing that is almost unarticulatable, um, then I'm, I'm very happy that that was uttered under this umbrella of good friendship. And you are a good friend. I love you. Um, thank you for being our guest on the Good Friend Podcast. And for anybody listening, if you're out there, stay safe, you know, take care of yourselves, make good choices. And take, reach out to a friend. And reach out to a friend. And um, we'll see you again. Thanks for listening. Good Friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.